0: You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Friends, it's great to be with you this morning. My name is Reese Bazant. Uh, I've taught a number of the clergy from this parish. I've taught Jono and Jimmy Young and Albert, not quite yet clergy. So it's great to be with you, and I feel like I know something of your church from having. Uh, spent time with people who've led and served here. I teach church history mainly at Ridley. I also teach Christian worship, but I'm most comfortable in the pulpit. So it's great this morning to be able to uh, bring to you some words from Psalm 18. Uh, The text of Psalm 18 will appear on the screen, but if you've got a Bible with you or a device that has the Bible on it... Please make sure that you're following along. So let me pray for us. It's so wonderful, Heavenly Father, that we can be together in this place this morning, that restrictions have lifted and we can know what it means to be close with you when we're close with each other. Please help us by your Spirit uh, this morning to understand and to learn and to think and to feel and to practice the very things that we learn from Psalm 18. For we ask it in Christ's strong name. Amen. So I was visiting uh, the Flume Gorge National Park in New Hampshire, in the United States. And what tourists do when they go to this national park is to crawl through this series of rocks called the Wolf's Den. You always make rocks sound scary, right? The Wolf's Den. And you go down, there's a whole series of boulders you come up on the other side. People were doing it quite easily, but I kind of got stuck two-thirds of the way through I almost panicked, but not quite. I could see the feet of people passing on the path just a few metres away. So I knew that I wasn't lost and alone. But that feeling of being constricted, of not knowing how to squeeze out, that feeling of being almost breathless, Almost tipped me over to panic. Some of you might have had an experience being stuck in an elevator, or stuck in a financial predicament, or stuck in a difficult relationship, or feeling stuck at home during COVID trapped by circumstances beyond your control and you get angry or you resign yourself and get passive or perhaps there might be moments when you learn to be thankful. But in the West, we're not used to feeling weak or powerless But there's a danger when we do feel weak and powerless that we panic and make bad decisions and fail the Lord. This psalm, of which we've only read the first half, takes the psalmist from feeling constricted and stuck and trapped and brings him out into a spacious place. So let's learn the Lord's story for us here. In verse 6, we read, I called to the Lord in my distress. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. That word, I cried to the Lord in my distress, really means in my straightened circumstances, in my tightness, in my constriction, I cried to the Lord. The word distress is probably not the best translation. The psalmist is feeling stuck, the psalmist is feeling trapped. In fact we learn in verse 4 the ropes of death were wrapped around me the torrents of destruction terrified me the ropes of sheol entangled me the snares of death confronted me these are all words from hunting these are words that taken from the experience of drowning he is desperate to be free Why are we so slow to pray that God would release us from that feeling of being trapped? The psalmist doesn't hesitate to pray, God, get me out of here. And look at what happens in verse 7. The earth shook and quaked. The foundations of the mountains trembled. They shook because the Lord burned with anger. The Lord heard him and the Lord shook the universe. The Lord wants to rescue the one who cries out, help. God turns up. God does something dramatic. In fact, as as Ben read to us those verses, you can see that the whole cosmos is shaking. The psalmist feels sunk. But he looks up and he sees the Lord coming down to rescue. Look at verse 9. He bent the heavens And came down. He's feeling low, but the Lord comes to meet him, feeling in the depths. And what parent wouldn't want to rescue their child from danger when the child calls out help? Whether that danger is an animal or traffic, or feelings of fear. Our Heavenly Father wants to reach down and grab the psalmist out of the danger. That's what we read in verse 16. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me. They were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. Very important. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The psalmist Used to feel trapped. But now he can breathe out. He can be himself. He's freed from the cords that bound him. Just like you've had a stressful time. So in the summer holidays, you lie on the beach... And you just take a deep breath, knowing that that stressful time is past. Or you've just sat your last exam and you sleep in until three in the afternoon, feeling like I've got nothing to get up for, I can just rest in bed. For me, feeling decompressed is when I have a day with no appointments. I can do things, I can do stuff in my day, but to have no appointments at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock gives me a deep sense of feeling free from constrictions, feeling decompressed. And this is what the Lord wants to do for us, brothers and sisters. The Lord's power... Can lead us to feelings of freedom. In fact, God's absolute power leads to perfect freedom. Christianity is rescue religion. Christianity is rescue religion. Christ died to set us free. As Paul writes in Galatians 5, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We are the most free people. So why is it that people outside the church don't think that about Christians? Because outside the church... People think of Christians as being kind of toxic, dangerous, repressed, law keeping in their own laws of their heart. Why is it that we are the people who've been freed? But the world around us doesn't think of us Christians as being a liberated people. What's wrong? My brother is a great pagan. I love him dearly. But I've, been pray- I've prayed for him every day for about the last 45 years. Uh, there's not much sign of progress in moving towards Christ. But my goal when I spend time with my brother, just a little younger than me, is to help him feel more free in my presence than he is with his non-Christian buddies. So when we disagree, as we do, we do it in the context of humour. I might want to challenge him but I want to do it in the context of affirming him wherever I can. I want him to think of time spent with me as offering him joy rather than judgment. And in learning to delight, as I learned to delight in him, despite our disagreements. Giving people, him and others, freedom to be themselves. When they're with me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your fantastic church here in Caroline Springs was known as a people that experienced deep freedom from the Lord? That they knew if they were in your presence, they could really, really be themselves? See, to believe that God is strong. And the first half of this psalm talks about God being strong. He shakes the world to make sure the one who's praying to him feels spacious to feel free. To know that God is strong, to know that God is sovereign, doesn't mean that I'm less free. God's strength enables me to feel free. What a beautiful lesson that the first half of this psalm teaches us. And the psalmist isn't scared of God. He's just confident. Look at verse 20. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. He repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. That's the COVID verse. I've kept the ways of the Lord and have not turned away from my God to wickedness. Indeed, I let all his ordinances guide me, have not disregarded his statutes. I was blameless towards him and kept myself from iniquity. So the Lord repaid me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. These few verses begin with clean hands and end with clean hands, describing not that the fact that the psalmist thinks that the Lord saved him because he was good. He's just saying, Lord, I'm on your side. I don't want to side with those guys, the wicked. I'm on your side, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. For we read in verse 25, With the faithful, you prove yourself faithful. With the blameless, you prove yourself blameless. With the pure, you prove yourself pure. If he is blameless or faithful or pure, it's because the Lord was first. He's not saying that he's perfect. He's just saying he's learning from the Lord. Verse 27. For you rescue an oppressed people... You humble those with haughty eyes. Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. If you want to live free, if you want to grow into the spaciousness that the Lord wants to give, the psalmist is teaching us to follow The Lord's words, his precepts, his ways, his understanding. That's how the psalmist knows he's on the Lord's side. But it's not just that the psalmist feels free. He does. He also feels strong. If you look at the next few paragraphs, you'll see lots of words or pictures that describe how strong he's feeling. Look at verse 29. With you I can attack a barricade, with my God I can leap over a wall. This used to be a chorus that I sang at youth group years ago, probably not sung anymore. Or verse 31 who is god besides the lord who and who is a rock only our god god he clothes me with strength makes my way perfect he makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights he trains my hands for war my arms can bend a bow of bronze that's how strong he feels You've given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me. Your humility exalts me. You make a spacious place beneath me for my steps and my ankles do not give way. God's strength makes the psalmist not feel like a worm... It's not that we exalt God and therefore we feel like worms or weak or powerless. No, when he exalts God's strength, he recognizes that he can be strong as well. And you'll notice in verse 36, he uses the same idea again. You make a spacious place for me. See, some Christians think the more we exalt God, the more we have to pretend we're weak. It's like a seesaw. If God is up, you're down. Or if you exalt yourself, that means that God is seen as small or powerless Or some Christians think that it's like a tug of war, that if you gain an inch from God, you show you're strong, but that God's weak, and God pulls back, and he shows he's strong, and you're weak. No, it can actually be both, right? God's strength can help us feel strong. We don't have to define ourselves as a victim. We can be strong in the Lord and make a difference in the world, for God is with us. By his spirit, making us strong in him. Now, I'm not saying, please don't hear me as saying, that Christians should be strong and bully others. No. I'm not saying that we should feel strong and therefore we always get what we want. No. I'm not saying that we should feel strong and look down on those who feel weak. No. But I am saying it's good to face the world confidently. It's good to be active in the world, to feel like you have resources to serve the world and to change the world. We don't just give in to the evil around us. We might lament the evil of the world, but we might be able to work in the Lord's strength to address the injustices of the world as well. We don't just give in. The Lord makes us strong to make a difference in your community here at Red Door and beyond. Of course, the psalmist had prayed, or get me out of here. I'm feeling weak. But that doesn't mean that he's passive. He's active. He wants to live triumphantly, knowing that the Lord has rescued him so that he can serve others in the strength that the Lord provides. Remember Paul's words in 2 Timothy 1, that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, and love and self control. Or Paul's words in 2 Timothy 2:1, 2, be strong in the strength which he gives. How wonderful that we don't have to remain in those constricted, tight, breathless. Kind of dilemmas, but the Lord brings us out and sets us in a spacious place so we can be free and strong in Him. But as the psalm ends, we learn not only that the psalmist is David. But David, in writing down this prayer and this psalm, is reminding people that though his particular strength is to defeat philistines, the principle applies to all of us. in fact, not only verses thirty seven to forty five uh, thirty seven to forty three does David describe his defeat of his enemies. He explains how his victories are not just for Israel but for the whole world. Verse 43, you have freed me from the feuds among the people. You have appointed me the head of nations. Nations. Wow, David's not just the king of Israel. In a way, he's the king of the world. He writes in verse 43, A people I had not known now serve me. Foreigners submit to me, cringing as soon as they hear. They obey me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling from their fortifications. How strange that David sees himself As king of the world? Verse 46. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. The God of my salvation is exalted. He lifts God high. God, verse 47, he grants me vengeance and subdues people under me. He frees me from my enemies. You exalt me above my adversaries. You rescue me from the violent men. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, Lord. I will give thanks to you among the nations. I will sing praises about your name. He gives great victories to his king. He shows loyalty to his anointed, David, and his descendants forever. As the psalm ends, it's kind of like David is writing about the Lord Jesus. It's kind of like David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is describing his ministry in cosmic terms. The Lord had made David strong. And the Lord God made Jesus Christ strong. As he himself died for our sins and rose from the dead to prove that he was king of the world in the Lord's strength. Friends, the Apostle Paul uses this last verse, verse 49, in Romans 15, describing how Paul has taken the gospel to the Gentiles and now all the world Believes. This psalm begins I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, my shield, my horn, my stronghold. You get the idea? There are about seven different words all next to each other showing how strong he feels. But that's because in verse 1, the Lord is his strength. I want you to be able to leave church this morning, being able to say in your heart or even out loud, I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. For God has made us free and he's made us strong. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen.